Super good. So, how you doing? Great. That's awesome. Um, you're allowed to respond this morning. <laughs> it's great to be here at, uh, at Thrive Second Service Down. And we've got a pretty awesome uh, looking machine on the stage. We were shouting out to God with a voice of triumph. So we're all into motorbikes this morning. Uh, let's just put a hand on our heart and we're going to pray. Yeah, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, this morning for your power in our lives. We thank you for your grace over our world, Lord. And today, God, we receive your word. We receive life. We receive uh, your assignment today, God. And I just pray, Father, that everyone would leave today feeling just like, wow, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Awesome. Well, who knows that Harley Davidsons are like, you know, they're the ultimate status symbol uh, for, for guys generally um, on the road, you know, when they want to experience freedom and power. Everyone's thinking, man, if only I knew how to ride a Harley Davidson, I, I, would, I would know freedom, I would know power, and I just want to let you know that Suzuki Swifts are right up there uh, with Harley Davidsons, but they too are very, very uh, awesome. And so today I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about the journey and being, about staying passionate and focused on the journey of life, because anyone who wants to learn how to ride a Harley Davidson has to have a level of passion in their life. They have to have a level of commitment and desire and focus uh, to, to be able to hop on one of these and burp up the road. You know, you can't just get off, your, take, you know, scoot around. Yeah, I've got two wheels mastered. Now I'm going to jump on a, on a Harley and take it for a spin. You've got to go through some training. You know, to ride a Harley, you've got to be teachable. You've got to get your license and you've got to learn all about how to ride. You're going to be uh, watching better riders than you and figuring out, you know, what do I need to do as I corner? And, and you're going to, in this journey of learning, you're going to be like, become a master of balance on the bike so that you can take the corners at speed. And then also you're watching the elements that are around while you're riding. Is it raining? Do I need like a, you know, what's my, my distance between vehicles? Uh, is it? winter? Is it an icy? Is it summer? Can I just go for it? And so you've got this whole kind of like focus going on in your life. If you are interested in Harley Davidsons and you want to ride them, you're right. You've also got to have endurance for the journey. Like you're going to be fit enough to be able to kind of move one of those things around. They are heavy. It was pretty hard getting up on stage, but this, I just managed it. Um, yeah, all by myself. That's right. There's something really distinctive about a Harley-Davidson as well, and uh, it's the sound of a Harley-Davidson, isn't it? Like um, when Danny, uh, Danny Steele, it's his, his bike, and, and I was waiting for him out the front here uh, yesterday, and, and I heard him uh, about a minute before I saw him, you know, like coming up uh, high street, bah! and then around the corner, and, I'm like, and all these people are watching, I'm like, yeah, I've got a friend who owns a Harley-Davidson. <laughs> I'm a real man. And... Uh, Mate, they are cool bikes though, aren't they? So this morning, I'm going to be uh, talking about releasing your roar. You know, everyone has got a roar in their life. Last week, uh, I felt like a, a real sense that we're, it's time to actually start honing and refining and, and sharpening up that 
point that we're called to in life. You know, we've, we've, uh, it's awesome to be involved in, in many things in life and have diversity around our life, but God is bringing a, a focus to our lives at this time. He's bringing a purpose, a great assignment, and a vision for our lives. And so like a, a Harley Davidson rider who have got a vision, they've got a goal in mind, they've got a destination in mind, we've got to be students of the one who's calling us on the journey, don't we? We've got to be partnering with everything that heaven has for us. We can't do life by ourselves. We're not called to just be a man-made person, but we're called by the grace of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to just jump into the book of Daniel chapter 3, and this is an awesome story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, these dudes, these are three young men. They're probably actually teenagers at this time. And so uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to jump in, and he lays down this big challenge for these young boys. And so it says in verse uh, 1 here that King, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold. And this image of gold, this was an honor of himself. This was like, I am the man and uh, everyone needs to focus on me. And this, you're going to bow down to this image. This image represents our culture, our society. And I want everyone on my team because, and, and I want everyone camped out about what I say. And if you bow down to me, everything is going to be all good with you. All right, so he creates this image, and then it says he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. He got, it was an all-in event. He got everyone who was the who's who in the zoo, he got them to this, uh, this big, big monument. And then it says, a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, I don't know what that is, uh, in, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately. Everyone say, Immediately immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. You know, it wasn't going to end well with you if you did not comply with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in. I'm in for your all-in event, right? Okay, because I don't want to end up uh, deep fried. So there was a sound that was uh, released from the center of, of, of influence in that day. It was this incredible sound. It was, uh, it, was, it was released from the most powerful seat in the land, from a man in the land, and it demanded a response from everyone who heard the sound. It was like, you respond to me or you're going to be barbecued, basically. You, you do what I say. You get in line. You jump when I say jump, or it's all, or it's all over for you. This, it says that the sound was so intimidating and so dominant that it actually crossed cultural barriers. It crossed diversity. It crossed nationalities and language barriers. There were like five lead instruments in this band. And, it, and then it says, with a symphony, a symphony of other instruments. And they had, I believe, probably the biggest unplugged sound system in the day, right? They, had, they were all about the noise. And this was, so, this was the nation's voice set up with the best tech gear in the day. They had the, the latest technology. They brought the biggest unplugged sound. And if, we were, if this was today, it would be all over the news. It would be in the media. It would be all over Facebook. It would be like like for a bow down. It would be everything. <laughs> awesome. New material. Um, PowerPoint. Thank you. I'm just reading my notes. Stay on. 
Verse 8 said, At this time, certain people came forward and accused the Jews. Certain people came forward and they laid an accusation at the Jews because these young men were not conformists. These young men had another rhythm, another sound going on inside of their lives. But they were accused uh, by the superpower. See, the, the enemy will come at us and his accusation will, will look to unsettle who we are. And the accusation of the enemy will actually will erode our vision and erode our passion. If we get in and if we start agreeing with what the enemy is saying about our lives, we're going to lose ground in our lives. And I don't know what is accusing you at this time, but let me just frame it this way. Maybe it's the sound of disappointment and hopelessness. You know that is an accusation? Because it accuses your hope. It accuses the hope giver. And it accuses the dreams that are still waiting for you. You know, the Bible says that He has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, as soon as we start losing hope, there's an accusation coming at the Word of God for your life. Maybe it's an accusation of fear. When fear comes at our lives, it accuses the fact that we are the Father's kids, that He has perfect love for us, and His perfect love casts out all fear. If you're familiar with the voice of fear in your life, it's a voice of accusation, and you should not tolerate that. You need to start this morning. Actually, it was funny. I was um, like teaching Tristan how to take spiders out, and he just, because he hates spiders, it's like, ah, oh, and uh, there's the daddy long legs on the wall and I'm like how about mate you just get the tissue and I'll show you how to do it and you grab the spider and then you flush it down the toilet and um, oh first of all though you squash it so it doesn't drown it's, yeah, I'm just trying to keep the house safe right Flip, accusation just coming at me I'm like rebuke you no uh, so but he wouldn't but I was like how about I take the spider I squash it and then you take the tissue and put it in there. You know, there was a step in the process. I got it, gave him familiar, gave him, started getting him familiar what it feels like to hold a squash spider. Come on. Put, I pick it up and put it. It was a daddy long legs. They kill children. Once in our, our family. <laughs> hey, it's in heaven. I did a favor. Um, so let's move along from spiders. <laughs> You know, God doesn't want us to be trapped by familiar things that bring fear around our lives. It is a voice of the, uh, the accuser, and he wants to pull you out of that because he has perfect love for your life. The sound of rejection, that is an accusation. That is accusing the very one who created you to be connected with his heart connected in family, connected and belonging in a church. You know, no one is rejected at Thrive. No one wears a label at Thrive other than you are a son and a daughter, a prince and a princess of the King of Kings. You know, all these things, they are noisy distractions. Noisy, the, war, the world is full of sounds. It's full of sounds, and they accuse the priorities that you were created to step into and, and who you were created to be. You know, without, a, without 
maintaining a clear vision for your life, your life's call, your self-worth, your spiritual status, without prioritizing and maintaining and keeping that in check. You know, the, the, the voice of distractions will erode your vision. It will erode your perspective. That's why God's calling us to remember what He's done for us. He's calling us to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. I want to challenge you to daily remind yourself who you are in Christ. And then He says in Ephesians 3 that He's got stuff for us, like things in His heart and mind that are beyond and bigger than we, what we could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. He, he just doesn't do little on your life. He doesn't do a life of compromise. He doesn't, do, he doesn't have a life that is average for you. In verse 12, it says this, that there were certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of uh, Babylon. And this is the accuser, right, coming at these, at these guys. And he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due respect to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. See, the dark powers within the Babylonian system were attempting to bring restraint on the call of God that was in the three, it was in the lives of these three young men. See, the dark, there's a darker power going on. There's another story in behind this whole scenario where the devil is actually trying to shut them down and take them out. See, it says in the chapter before that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all given authority and an assignment within that kingdom. They were in the world. They weren't just Christians just like living off in the wop-wops. They were actually a part of a dark system, but they were called in, and they owned their position in the system. They took responsibility, and they took a place in this, uh, in this realm of oppression, and they were there. They turned up every day with passion. But th- there you see that the dark powers of this world are trying to unseat their position. They're trying to take them down like the devil is trying to take us down and taking us out of uh, our call and our placement in life. And so these guys, though, to stay and maintain this position, they had a sound going on in their, um, they had a sound going on in their hearts that was bigger than the sound of of this incredible orchestra. You know, there was a sound going on that was louder in their, in their hearts. That, that The sound went out over the land. It was the bow down sound. It, was, it went into their ears and they heard it. But there was something in their heart <laughs> that, that they just couldn't. They couldn't live with it. They said, I can't own that sound. That is not my sound. And, and it was the, the first of the Ten Commandments, I believe, was one of those voices in their heart that just couldn't stop shouting at them. And it says, you know, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of stra- slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. See, the sounds, I just can't conform. I can't conform to this world. I can't conform to idols. I can't conform to this image. I can only conform to the one true God. And, and let's just start the Harley up now because this is such a powerful sound for the king. Yeah. That sounds mean. It's a roar. Come on. Isn't that awesome? See, there's a sound 
that that release that dominated every single other sound in this room. It brought an influence and something kind of majestic and throaty about the sound of a Harley, you know. And and there's this majestic and throaty sound that the King has placed in every one of our lives. You know, he's brought a sound to this world. It's the sound of freedom. It's the sound of joy. It's the sound of purpose. It's the sound of passion. And it's, uh, sorry about the fumes. Actually, maybe we should just open the front door there. That'd be great. See, they just couldn't drown out this louder sound in their hearts with the sound that was in their heads. And God's putting a sound in our hearts. He's putting a sound. He's putting a new sound in our lives See, these boys, they were given a position of influence, as I said, in the kingdom by King Neb. And then they were asked to compromise their values. But to King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, surprise, their values defined their response in this moment. They held their focus because their journey in life, they knew they weren't just about going through the motions. Oh, I just can't escape. I can't escape the DNA of heaven. I can't escape the fact that I'm called to honor. I can't escape the value that my, the, what I, how I behave is, is, is a reflection of who the King of Kings out of me. I just, I can't live out of obligation. I can't just turn up and I just can't just do enough to put food on the, on the table and pay for my Sky subscription. I just, I've got to live with passion. They held their focus and their devotion to the King of Kings because of this passion that was driving them and it was just, it was so much more than just living to exist. You know, Winston Churchill said this, that you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You know, there are voices going on around you, accusation, things that are trying to get your attention and distract you and dumb you down from the call that God has put in your life. And, you know, as that freakishly loud music played, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was actually asking to these boys, who are you? Who are you? Show me who you are. Show me how afraid you are. Show me uh, who you are devoted to. Show me who your strength is connected to. And they showed him. They said, my strength is not connected to you. My life and my purpose is is not connected to that image. My worth and my self-esteem is not connected to my very breath. I will show you, King, who my Lord is and who my Savior is. And so this, this sound that went out of the land, over the land, it just, it just couldn't get, it couldn't penetrate. The King of Kings was in their hearts. And all they heard was a barking dog. It's just noise. It's just noise. I'm going to walk away from that noise. I'm aligning my life with my call and my King. And then in verse 14, It said, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set um, up? You shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. You know, there's a sound that came out of them. It was a rebuttal. It was a rebuttal. It was like, I've got something to give you, O king. Here are the facts of my life. 
This is who I'm living for. And what, no matter what you say to me, whatever, no matter what you show me, what, no matter how you intimidate me, I will not conform to you. See, the world system had tried to blur the vision of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through compromise. But they remained true to the definition that the Father had given them. They were, they were seeing in high def. They are like, I've got the most high def. Come on. I've got the most high, and I'm looking to the most high for the clarity for my life and my call, and you cannot mess with my vision. Someone needs to tell those things that are trying to distract them and rob their vision, you just can't mess with me. I've got a greater call. I've got a greater pursuit. There's a greater sound. And, and their sound, though, their sound was their death sentence. You know, what they said out of their mouth, that became their death sentence. And it was a sound of no compromise. It was a sound of, of passion. And as, as Paul said in, I think it was Galatians 2.20, you know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul had laid his life down so low that it was like, it doesn't matter whether I live or die. This is my sound. I no longer live. And as they spoke this out, they were speaking out, I don't live. I don't live for you. I don't live for myself. I don't live to my preferences. I live for the king. I live for his heartbeat. I live for what he's saying to me. And we're a part of this system these days, this humanistic system of this world. And it's a lot more subtle than the Babylonian system. We don't have a crazy orchestra that plays noon every day and we all have to get down and worship a golden image. But we have uh, we have this subtle enemy who's still trying to erode and blur and bring compromise to the king of kings in our lives. And it says this in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, compromise is the direct opposite of passion. Unless you're arguing with your wife, where compromise is a good idea. You get me, husbands, fathers? You know, you can compromise there. But as soon as you start compromising with values, it's a sign that you've lost your passion and lost your vision. See, passion, it says here, is truth. Passion is honorable. Passion is just. Passion is pure. See, compromise will dilute our lives. It will rob our purpose and reveal us as is aimless Christians, followers of Jesus, kind of whatever, as anyone else on the planet. But we're called to actually make a difference. And that, is a, that difference is just the reflection of who the king is in our lives. You don't have to invent the difference. You can just partner with the difference. You can receive the difference, and then you can go out and be the difference. It says here, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It doesn't go into the negative stuff. It just says, come on. Think about these things. And I think that it's time to hit delete on anything in your life that is not camped around the truth, the honor, the, the just, the pure, the lovely, and the commendable. It's time to hit the delete on it. You know, I mentioned in the first service, don't get me started on Game of Thrones. Just don't compromise your vision by watching something that will pollute your life. 
And don't even watch it to see if it's okay. Just read the IMDB parents guide and you'll be like, this is just pornography because that's what it is. You see, compromise in our life, it just happens like erosion of a cliff, one wave at a time, one day at a time, one look at porn at a time, one negative thought at a time, one offense at a time, one day at a time. And it's because the vision has been compromised. See, God's calling us to live with an edge around our life. In Revelations 1 verse 14, man, Man, imagine if we met Jesus face to face. Like, what the heck? This guy is the epitome of passion. He's the epitome of desire and, 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 and of lordship and, and of governance. He is, he's the seat of power. He is the ultimate uh, king. And, and it says here in Revelations 1 verse 14 that the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And it says, when I saw him, this is Paul, who had the, uh, sorry, John, who had this vision, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Mate, he saw passion. He saw the intimidating nature of what, you know, like the king looks like up close and personal. Our king's like mighty. He's also love. And it's amazing when you think of the fact that we're created in his image. There's something of that imagery and, and picture of Christ that actually can come through our lives. The way we speak using the sword of the Spirit the way people look at us, and, and our life becomes a display of passion, of focus, and of love for the King of Kings. And we're called to reflect that kind of passion to this world. You know, the Bible says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not me in me, not stuff in me, not distractions in me, but Christ in me. As I was saying at the start, you know, if we don't have a conviction about why we're here then now's the time to discover it. Let's not waste time. Now's the time to take a hold of that purpose, that reason that Christ has taken a hold of you. And if you feel like you're floundering around in life, I just want to encourage you to remind yourself daily who you are in Jesus Christ. Remind yourself that you have a destination in Christ, that who you're connected to, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've got to make room for God in your life. You've got to make time. There's, only, there's no other way of actually framing it other than you have to put time aside for Jesus in your life. Jude 1, 20 says this, that we must build ourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, that's the language of tongues. That, that is such a precious gift to us, the language of speaking in tongues. Once we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we get this other language. And, and that language is the very utterance of heaven. We don't understand it, but if, if angels are speaking, they are speaking in that tongue. It's like the word of perfection for our lives. And we're called to build ourselves up with this word of perfection. We have an access to heaven's glory through what we say by speaking in the gift of tongues. If you have that gift, Treasure that gift in your life. Steward that gift. Use that gift. Speak that gift. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling low, it says to use it and build yourself up. 
See, that gift will take you up. It will take your vision up. It will take your walk up. It's just, just don't put that thing aside and just say, oh, you know, that's just weird. It is peculiar. I do agree. But it's in the Bible. And it says that it will build us up. And I have used, I have worked the gift of tongues. I go down the river and I spend an hour or so praying in tongues. And I go down feeling like life's over. And I come back feeling like I can conquer Mount Everest. You know, like this gift on your life. If you're stuck in a rut, whether it's emotionally or, or just like uh, in a workplace situation, man, just start using the gift of tongues. It will, it will boost your life. Come on, there's a good word right there. You know, when a welder's flame is not focused, it can't achieve its purpose. It just wastes the gas. It gives off a little heat, but it's just nothing. Nothing's happening. When the flame of the welder's torch is focused, it can melt metal and it can fuse it together. It completes its purpose that it was actually built for. You know, there's a focused flame that God's calling you to have. There's an edge in your life that God's calling you to. And it all comes from Him and through Him and will flow through your life as you devote yourself to Him. We are called to burn. We're called to burn, to be white hot. We're called to be noticed and we're called to carry a passion uh, in our lives. If we can grab the band up, that'd be awesome. Do you know, this culture that we're in, it wants to dumb you down. It wants to put you in a mold, slap a label on you, hope that you pay your taxes. But God's got so much more for you. He does. Put your hand on your heart. Say this after me. God has got immeasurably more than I could ever Ask, hope, dream, or imagine. Come on. There's a roar. There's a roar that, is a, that can be a part of our lives. And it's designed, you are designed to break the mold and redefine the limits by a supernatural grace. Let's stand everyone this morning right now. Cool thing about that story with Shad, Mish, and Abed is that they were chucked into the fire. Yes, but King Nebuchadnezzar, they, he didn't hear, he didn't see them sizzle. They didn't, they didn't actually burn. They didn't even get hot. In fact, the Bible says that not a, even a hair on their head was singed. And then he looked again. He's like, what the heck? I put three people in there. There are four people walking around. You know, I don't know what the fire is that maybe you're feeling the heat in in this season, but I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is walking with you and is assigned to you. He He will never leave you or forsake you. And He wants to release to you this morning a fresh passion for His name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're like, I just want to, I just need a shift gear. I want that roar. I would love to pray with you this morning. And so as we sing this last song, you're just welcome to come up. And I just want to release the, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, He's the Holy Passion. He wants to get inside you and mess you up and bless you and send you out with a clear vision and mission for your life. So as the song plays this morning, I want to invite you to come up the front. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mitch.